You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number 77, August 15th, 2023. This show is powered by Constrata.io. Leading with operations, solving with technology. This is Troy Hooper, CEO of Pepper Lunch Restaurants, and you're listening to Skip on the Tech Chef Podcast. Off-premise strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? drive through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu, cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with the tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Welcome to the Tech Chef, where you can find the best tips and tricks on how to make your business thrive in an ever evolving landscape. This is your host, Skip Kimple, and this weekly podcast is the perfect way for industry experts and newcomers alike to stay up to date on the latest hospitality trends and technology advancements. From our exclusive advice to our guest industry experts, we're here to help you stay ahead of the game and gain a competitive edge. Our mission is to provide you with the freshest insights and strategies so you can make informed decisions that will drive your business forward. We understand how important it is to keep up with the latest innovations in food service technology, which is why we strive to serve up helpful content each week. Whether you're looking to start a new venture or grow an existing business, the Tech Chef can make the journey easier. Subscribe now and join us as we explore the boundless world of hospitality innovations. Joining the show today, I am excited to have Troy Hooper, Chief Executive Officer at Hot Palette America. Troy Hooper joined Pepper Lunch as one of the three global business unit CEOs for the brand and oversees Pepper Lunch's parent company in North America, Hot Palette America. Troy brings 30 years of unparalleled experience in hospitality, operations management, and executive leadership to this role, which has fueled Pepper Lunch's infrastructure development, growth efforts, and brand deliverables, creating a fruitful franchise model for the North American market. Throughout his career, Troy has successfully built new concepts, rebranded existing restaurants, and improved well-established venues for iconic brands. Troy's decades of experience and business acumen brings a breadth of knowledge to the rapidly growing global brand, Pepper Lunch. By the way, I have some breaking news for you at the end of this episode, so make sure you listen all the way through to the end so you don't miss it. Yeah, thanks, Skip. Really glad to be here. Good to uh, finally be on the show with you and uh, spend some time uh, talking shop. I'm excited. Um, yeah, my background is uh, really a lifelong uh, career in hospitality and restaurants. I've uh, had a management company where we managed uh, distressed assets and turned around hospitality assets like hotels, private clubs, uh, golf clubs, uh, Caribbean resorts. And within that, obviously, there's a lot of F&B emphasis. And I've always been a restaurant guy. I actually was a chef for a short stint. I like to say that I'm a recovered chef. I fight every day not to get into the kitchen and work full time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've done this my entire life. And uh, 
uh, you know, I, I transitioned my company uh, in early 2018 from a management company uh, to a brand scaling uh, firm. So uh, I have a company called Kiwi Restaurant Partners that scales emerging brands. We help founders um, get ready for growth. And it uh, doesn't matter what the model is, but about 80% of our clients end up using the franchise model to grow. But we do have about 20, 25% at times of our clients that um, grow via a corporate growth model as well. And that all led to the pepper lunch um, opportunity. And they came to us uh, late last year or fall last year, and we're looking for some assistance to grow in North America, but also help them on a global scale, uh, really modernize the organization. Uh, they were purchased by a private equity fund just under three years ago, and they've really been reorganizing and getting ready for um, sort of a relaunch of their growth effort. And uh, they've been growing steadily for 30 years, but they have 508 locations in 15 countries today. And have been growing at a pace of five stores a month in Asia, but really had stalled in North America and were looking for some help there. And they came to KRP and have engaged um, our company there. So our team at KRP is helping build the franchise infrastructure and we'll be doing uh, the franchise infrastructure management uh, once uh, once it's complete and, and we got stores opening. And then they asked me to CEO here in North America and co-CEO globally to help export what we're doing here uh, to help modernize the organization uh, everywhere else. Um, so we have uh, opened a headquarters office in Singapore. We're based originally in Tokyo, Japan, and uh, it's a, it's a been a really fun ride. And we're just really getting started officially since February 1st. And we officially launched franchising, um, pre-launched franchising in uh, at multi-unit franchise conference there in late April, but um, actually just published our FDD last week. And are officially in the pipeline process of inviting investors to the table to talk about the opportunity that Pepper Lunch provides uh, in here in North America. So we're really excited about that. So since you're just starting to grow here in the U.S., to the listeners, how would you describe Pepper Lunch? What is it? Yeah, we call it an experiential, fast, casual teppanyaki for one. And what that means is you can order at a counter or a kiosk and have a seat and in three to five minutes, we're going to bring you a piping hot 500 degree iron skillet plate, and it's going to have all of your raw ingredients and vegetables and rice on it. And you get to take our table sauces. And what we say is you become the master chef. You can really take our entire menu and customize it at the table by choosing different sauces and spices to really customize your plate. Um, you know, for simplistic sake in America, it's easy to imagine um, that we are the Japanese fajita. So we're all used to a fajita coming out from, say, a Chili's or a Friday's or your local Mexican restaurant. Um, this is really the Japanese version of that. Uh, it's purely authentic to uh, Japan, was founded 30 years ago, and is based on a dish called beef pepper rice, which is actually a staple in Japan for those who can afford beef because it's very expensive because they import most of their beef and uh but it's a it's a sliced beef inside of a skillet with a bunch of rice corn chives um pepper and butter in the middle and uh, we've taken that from a family size um experience down to an individual plate experience at your table and so it's sizzling it's bubbling and there's the aroma and the vapors coming up uh it's just a really incredible um multi-sensory experience uh, in a fast, casual setting, which is quite unique. 
So you were kind enough to treat me to lunch there when we were in Vegas for one of the conferences, and it is a very unique experience. Now, what I found very interesting was back in the kitchen, and you have these these special stoves to actually heat these plates. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because, hey, that's that's technology right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and there's one of the more unique factors about our brand is that our founder chef invented this induction unit. And what it is, is a high energy on demand induction unit. So most chefs or folks in restaurants kind of know what an electric induction unit, it could be a tabletop or an in counter mounted uh, cooking unit. Uh, But if you imagine ours stay off until we need them because we're delivering a tremendous amount of energy to them in a short period of time. And the way it works is you push a green button on the wall and in 74 seconds, this iron plate sitting on that induction unit goes from room temperature to 500 degrees Fahrenheit. And then we place that on a wooden charger, a wooden uh, platter, and then we build your ingredients on top, put it in the window, send it out to the table. So one thing that's really unique is that the um, induction unit is patented. We own it and manufacture it. And the iron plate with the metal core is also proprietary. And so what's unique is that when you get it to your table, not only is it 500 degrees cooking hot, but it actually stays over 200 degrees for at least 30 minutes. So quite realistically, you're actually cooking the whole time and uh, every bite is as hot as the first one, basically. So um, if you like hot temperatured food, uh, this plate and your food will not go cold for at least uh, probably 45 or 50 minutes if you really uh, stick around that long. But most people don't make it that long. Our average in the door, out the door turnaround table is uh, about 24 minutes. So folks get in, enjoy the hot food and get out. I did notice that and it threw me off because obviously it came piping hot. You know, the plate came right out of the oven on the table. Thank goodness nobody burned themselves there because that plate is so piping hot. But, you know, normally when you eat something like a fajita, as you eat, you know, the food starts to get cold and I kind of let my guard down a little bit. I guess I took my first two bites, which were pretty hot. And then I, we were talking for a bit and I went to take another bite. Not, I was thinking that it probably had cooled off at that point. (laughs) It was, it was just as scorching hot as the first bite I took. And it continued that way throughout the entire meal, which is pretty cool. Um, It was a great culinary experience and very unique. Yeah, it's, you know, there's nothing else like it that we found, you know, the real difference and a lot of folks uh, listening may be familiar with uh, Korean barbecue style and yakitori style, hibachi style uh, food experiences, which are really uh, ultimately full service experiences, even though you are um, with a group or, you know, with uh, your spouse or somebody cooking at the table on an implement built into the table, right, where we've removed that, we don't have that element, the plate itself is the cooking element. But you're right. You know, in America, we're used to, you know, like you said, you know, five, 10 minutes in, we're talking and we're taking a bite and we're just used to the food kind of cooling off. And uh, it is easy to kind of forget that that next bite's going to be really hot. So we like to tell people just, you know, blow on every bite and you'll be safe. <laughs> now, I saw you were just at the uh, the Texas restaurant show, were you not? I was. Yep. I am trying to go to most of the restaurant and uh, franchise related conferences this year. I love that show. Unfortunately, I had a meet with a client I was not able to attend this year. Um, Were you speaking at that event? 
You know, this one I wasn't speaking at. It actually was my first time at the Texas show. You know, Pepper Lunch has um, a, a single store in Houston. And so it was a great opportunity to not only visit that store and visit with the team and uh, have a look and enjoy the food, but also bring some folks from the show uh, like you and I did in Vegas uh, out to the to the store. But also, you know, start to really get involved in um, and be a part of the Texas Restaurant Association community, uh, which I had not previously had the opportunity uh, to do with any other brands. So we're excited about a big push for growth in Texas. Uh, our Texas store has been there uh, since uh, late 2019. And so we're looking to expand on growth around that store. And so uh, it was a great opportunity really to meet quite a few new folks in the industry that I hadn't met with and uh, be introduced to some brands, products, and vendors that um, are big in Texas, but I hadn't been familiar with. So um, I'm really excited that I went. We obviously, as Pepper Lunch, joined the TRA. We're very supportive of um, the state and local um, associations uh, in our industry where we operate. And uh, uh, in addition to the California Restaurant Association, the National Restaurant Association. So it, it was a very good experience. I was very glad that I went. Yeah, that, that is an excellent show. And they usually have a pretty, pretty good um, tech pavilion as well and see a lot of technology out there, which is kind of rare for a state show. Um, usually you don't see a ton of technology, but that is one of the locations where you do see some. And speaking of technology, hey, this is a tech show. Let's let's get into it a little bit. I saw you recently spoke at an event, and I forget which one it was. I think it's the up in Chicago at the... Yeah, it was the Fast Casual Trans Digital Transformation Summit. Mm -hmm. That was it. And the title intrigued me. I believe it was something like how to run a tech stack for 500 locations without a CTO. Did I hit that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, basically how I, personal story, am building a tech stack for a 500-unit brand, global brand, uh, without a CTO, really doing this from sort of the top without really that technical support on team. Yep. Yeah, normally I would say you're crazy, but you do have technical chops. Where do your tech chops come from? Yeah, you know, um, I realized, uh, I would say four or five years ago, um, when, when things like Toast an alternative, uh, non-traditional or, or, you know, um, legacy, as we call it, POS systems were starting to really come to market. Um, I learned and realized that while restaurants were going to be slow and had traditionally been slow to uh, adopt new technologies, new systems, new processes in a lot of ways, um, I really saw that there was going to be a big opportunity uh, coming forth in the industry. And I really just wanted to become a student of it. And so quite frankly, over the last uh, you know, three, four, five years, I've really spent a lot of time constantly being aware and digging deep into each of these technologies and across the different uh, brands within each genre of, of the technology categories, um, really in an effort to be most informed, you know, on our consulting practice. And of course, in my role now as the CEO, um, it's very important, obviously, to know what's coming and know how things are evolving and understand how they may be a tool of benefit uh, in our business, whether it's a benefit to our employees, uh, to the guests or to the business unit, say the back of the house um, and, and internal processes. It's, you know, just very important. And so I've really just been a, an intense student of it. And in doing that, you know, obviously um, people realize, hey, Troy wants to know more of what's going on. So uh, quite frankly, everybody knocks on my door and I'm one of those people. Uh, our friend Sean Walshoff says I'm weirdly available. Uh, I'm just very curious. And so um, I think it's important and it's put me in a position to have an awareness and an understanding 
of uh, what the latest, greatest, newest is. Um, and I lean on folks like you, right, Skip? Like, we'll have side conversations. We'll sit down and have a drink or a meal. Uh, Carl Orsborn, you know, I'll pick his brain from time to time as he's trying to, you know, really lead the push and awareness around technology like you are. And, um, you know, that's kind of the story is I want to make sure that um, we're here to – bring the future of restaurant um, tools, whatever those are, technology tools to our clients, to our brands that we're building and to, you know, uh, to roles like I'm in in, as a CEO of a brand. So are you concentrating on the tech stack from the U.S. franchisee perspective or are you looking at a global tech stack? Yeah, great question. Um, You know, I wish I was only doing the U.S. tech stack because I started this job on February 1st, and I'm pretty sure by February 3rd, I could have had it completed. Um, <laughs> instead, uh, the mandate and the need and, and really the right thing for the, the this and any brand is to uh, consider how you could have a complete enterprise-wide global solution, right? And not every tool that we may want to use in the U.S. will apply globally, but eventually they will. Many uh, technology companies um, do want to and are getting opportunity to go international. And many of these companies were actually born or spread uh, at scale internationally before they came to the U.S. Um, so it's kind of a hybrid. But no, the answer really is we are looking to build a single global tech stack as best we can that will sol- serve and solve uh, for the entire global enterprise, which for us is very complicated Um we're, uh, we're headquartered in Tokyo. Our business unit operations headquarters is in Singapore. We have corporate-owned stores in Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong, and mainland China. And then we have franchisees in every Asian nation except for Korea and Mongolia today. Um, and so being across 15 countries and 12 of those being Asian countries, three of those being Western countries like Australia, the United States, and Canada – um, really poses an interesting challenge. I can't even imagine uh, trying to find a tech stack in order to be able to cover all of those regions. That is going to be a major challenge for you, but I know you can get it done. But we'll have to, when you when you figure it out, we'll have to sit down and have a drink and, and talk about how, how you're able to accomplish that. Do you guys do a lot of uh, third-party delivery? And I don't even know what that looks like right. in some of the <laughs> other countries. Yeah, so um, the answer is uh, no, really. I mean, as compared to most brands today, right, um, even globally, Asia, you know, delivery is even bigger, really, honestly, um, in Asia and, and, and possibly even in Europe than it is in the U.S. as we are still really a, um, on the precipice of, of hockey stick growth in that area. Of course, the pandemic really expounded on that, but some brands have shrunk back down to the, you know, low, high 20, low 30% of total sales mix being to go. Um, it really depends on the brand uh, and, and the delivery model, I think, uh, anywhere, but especially in Asia. You know, for us, it's between 7 and 10% of total sales mix today. Um, but we are in the actually early stages of an R&D project um, where our new model uh, that we're going to roll out in the United States uh, we'll be testing a third line or a back line uh, to go make line station strictly designed to create the food, 
package the food and hand the food off to delivery drivers or guests who want to pick up their food and take it away. Um, we're in that early stage, and we think by the end of the year or early first quarter of next year, um, we'll have that pretty well sorted out. Um, but for today, it's a pretty low part of our mix. But we understand it's an extremely important part of the future of our restaurant. And today, it's a, sort of a laborious, cumbersome uh, process for us because we don't have any specialized equipment to help us do that the way we make our food uh, and present it to you today um, really makes the to-go process um, not ideal. So we're looking to bring in some semi-automated uh, new cooking equipment and um, really kind of a, a assembly line process to make it efficient and fast. Um, and, and ultimately, the most important thing is make sure that our food reaches our customers um, in as close to uh, an experience as you can get in the store without sending a 500-degree plate out the door, you know, uh, <laughs> that's not going to work out well. I was just going to say, yeah, that's, that's not really possible. But, you know, that is a big part of your experience. So that probably will be your biggest struggle is how do you, how do you have the experience translate uh, with delivery? I mean, honestly, every restaurant struggles with that. But you, you are unique in your own way um, with, with how it's presented, how it's cooked, and everybody's you know, like you said, it's raw ingredients when it comes to your table. So you're actually cooking your own meat to your own temperature liking. So um, very interesting. I, I, I'll be very curious to see how that plays out. Now, yeah, uh, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's venture off a little bit here and talk about things, you know, that are happening in our industry right now. I mean, these are very hot topics. Virtual kitchens. Man, there's a, there's a lot of buzz about that right now. I mean, everybody's there's a lot of uh, shifting in that side of the fence, some big headlines anyways. What are your thoughts about virtual kitchens? Are, it, did we just see a, just a weird little glitch in the world of virtual kitchens or have they peaked? Are they on the way out? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, you know, really interesting. Um, anytime something that was going to have a kind of a natural growth, very long and slow growth cycle that virtual and ghost kitchens were really experiencing pre-pandemic, you know, they got this massive infusion of energy and, and awareness and necessity, obviously, through the pandemic. And so kind of like NFTs in a way, you know, really there was just that initial gold rush uh, idea of, of, of everybody having to do it, get on board, uh, secure your business, you know, um, meet the masses where they are and give them everything, right? And I think restaurateurs are realizing that for the most part, they really need to focus on what they're very good at and what they're most passionate about. That being said, I am still very bullish on virtual kitchens and virtual brands, um, particularly virtual brands that you um, create yourself within your own, um, you know, your own four walls. Um, nobody knows what your consumers in your micro market want better than you if you really ask and and dig in and, and and look into it. But also you need to do something you're interested and excited and passionate for. And so we've actually worked with several clients over the last few years to do this holistically and organically and not rush to try to take on one, three, five outside brands, which, you know, there are some really spectacular ones. I, I saw your post on LinkedIn today about your visiting the Wow Bow uh, mall kiosk in, or airport kiosk at Charlotte International, which I can't wait to do that soon as well. You know, our friend Jeff Alexander and Wow Bow have done a phenomenal job over 20 years in building a brand. And what, what I think 
the issue with virtual brands and the whole virtual ghost kitchen concept is, is that folks are looking or expect some kind of instant gratification when they turn on this brand that, hey, like Mr. Beast or, you know, Wow Bow or all these other brands I see doing so well, uh, I expect that sort of result. And and I think it's unrealistic, just like it's pretty unrealistic to just open a single unit first time uh, a brand that you've never had before in a brick and mortar and expect there to be lines around the door. Well, you know, if with virtual, you know, you do lose that drive by walk by um, discovery, but really at the end of the day, a virtual brand is no different than a brick and mortar brand in that you have to um, make sure what you're offering is what people want. You're doing a great job, particularly on the to go and delivery quality side of it. Or have you really thought about the packaging? You know, have you spent your time and energy and understanding what the right packaging and branded packaging looks like? And and then what does marketing look like? And at the end of the day, one of the things I think our industry is really not good at yet is digital marketing, particularly. But you know, modern marketing, understanding where the consumer is and how to communicate with them in those different places and times. Um, that's really, to me, been the struggle with virtual brands is folks just kind of uh, build it and they will come mentality uh, versus really understanding how to get the um, get through the noise, right? Uh, make yourself uh, visible and audible and uh, create awareness around your brand that people are going to find you and want to give you a try. Absolutely. Speaking of hot topics in our industry, AI, robotics, I mean, every time you, you, you look around, you, every time you open up your browser, look at LinkedIn, heck, look at national news, you're hearing something about AI or robotics. Where do you think those two technologies are headed within our industry? Yeah, I do think they're linked, but I, I separate them. I, I think robotics, obviously, having a bit of a longer um, uh, place in our industry so far, uh, ha- has a very specific um, place in certain uh, operations and certain systems. I'm excited about all of the innovation and research and uh, building that's going on because I don't think we've even come close to scratching the surface around robotics. You know, when we when you talk about robotics in restaurants, everybody thinks about cooking, right? But I think, and, and now we're starting to see um, more of these multi-brand, multi-robotic brand distributors popping up at these conferences and, and online where they can sort of custom tailor automated and robotic solutions uh, for your business. And so, you know, whether it's uh, automated vacuuming, automated mopping, um, you know, uh, I really love what Denny's is testing today in understanding that they're, they, they put a lot of um, uh, flatware and plateware on the table, right? And that plateware happens to be heavy. And when a busser or servers have to bus a table at Denny's, it's quite heavy. There's a lot of items. There's a lot of weight. They're carrying these large trays. And Denny said, well, what if, what if the robot carried the busser tray? Right. And so now we're thinking about employee safety. We're thinking about, um, you know, insulating ourselves against um, loss of productivity and loss of employees and and uh, workers comp issues and insurance claims. And, you know, that's a place where robotics um, is helpful. Right. Uh, And is highly valuable, I think. You know, so I separate the two, but I think robotics has a place. I'm excited about lots of opportunities that I think the next you know, five to 10 years are going to bring. But I think folks need to get out of the pigeonhole of, hey, a robot arm does this and a robot arm does that. There's semi-automated 
There's um, there's uh, AI and robotic vision, right? There's just using um, the brains of a robot and the vision of a robot technology uh, to do other things like help grill masters, um, uh, not over or undercook steaks that are very expensive, things like that. And then with AI, I'm extremely excited. Um, I'll say something, Skip. I'll give you. I'll give you breaking news that I've never said to anybody. Uh, this for your listeners, since we're in such a great tech environment. Ooh, breaking um, news! Actually, I love it. Yeah. So we have actually hired um, a person on the Pepper Lunch team that is solely focused on utilizing um, automated technologies and SaaS products and AI solutions together to build our backend um, efficiencies, both our sales pipeline, our marketing toolkit, our marketing deployment, tracking of marketing conversion to franchise sales, to in-store sales, um, uh, additional uh, resources around site selection and territory mapping. So, um, you know, it's it's, uh, interesting. This has been kind of like a little thing that's built organically within and uh and and this gentleman who's been on our team for a bit uh came to me a f- couple months ago and said hey troy i've been training uh chat gpt and jasper in troy hooper's voice and in the pepper lunch brand voice for about two months can i demonstrate a few ways we could use this and i said oh my gosh of course please show me and um honestly and i said this on stage at the schomburg chicago Uh, Fast Casual Digital Transformation Summit when I was on stage, the presentation I gave was actually built by AI in about 34 seconds. And it it took me about an hour to 90 minutes to take the format and the copy that AI created for my presentation. It took me about 90 minutes total to kind of drop in the logos and add a picture or change a picture the way, you know, it was just a little bit of tweaking, but what would have probably taken me eight or 10 hours on flights and at night getting ready for that presentation, um, AI did in under a minute and, um, and only took me about 90 minutes to take it to the level or, or perfect it to the way that I wanted it for my style. Um, so we need to come up with a title for these jobs, by the way, Skip, I'm going to need your help on that. What do we call specialists, these technology developers, these backend folks who understand, um, you know, funnel creation and automation, Airtable, Zapier, Zoho, CRM, you know, not only can he, does he do that, but then understand how to take AI and use it as a tool in the right place at the right time to create the right end result that a business operator like myself needs. He's making me more efficient, saving me time. We've got to come up with a cool name for this position. How about brand intelligence officer? Skip, that's why you get paid the big bucks and you host <laughs> the show, my friend. Brand intelligence officer. I that like a it. Great Thank well, you. Well, BIO. Okay, I'm just making sure the acronym is, uh, isn't something <laughs> weird. <laughs> Troy, I got a couple more questions for you. And unfortunately, our time is running short. Who inspires you in the restaurant industry? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Easy answer. Um, Greg Majewski of Craveworthy, uh, Jeff Alexander of WowBow, Andrew K. Smith of Savory. You know, everybody has a mentor. Everybody has that person they can look up to. And, uh, you know, I have always had a saying, if you want to run faster than you run today, run with people who run faster than you. Uh, and you can 
use running or any other analogy, sports or financial related. But the reality is, is um, you need to surround yourself with folks that have done what it is you want to do and have done things in a way that you hope to achieve doing them. And um, I'm very fortunate to call those folks my friend and my mentors and my colleagues. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate to be surrounded by some great leaders in this industry. Nice. You named some very good names there. All right. One last question for you. I'm going to catch you off guard. What is one unknown fact that the world needs to know about Troy Hooper? Yeah, this has gotten out here just recently a couple of times uh, in some casual conversation. Uh, most people don't know that I'm a former super yacht captain. Um, I had a uh, five-year stint where I left hospitality, which really didn't leave hospitality because super yachts, it, it, just like you've seen on TV, really is hospitality on the water. But um, yeah, I actually achieved a pretty decent uh, level of, uh, of accomplishment in that arena. Uh, but I actually been, um, driving boats my whole life. I've been a licensed captain, uh, for about 28 years and, uh, I did it professionally for a few years and I, and I was able to work for some, uh, pretty well-known names in, in the world that, uh, happen to enjoy spending time on the water on a very luxury, um, vessel. So that's the fact that most people really don't know is that I had this little semi side career and then made a little short career of it and have always kept it out there as something that uh, I love being a part of. Well, you threw me off with that one. I was not expecting that answer. So thank you for sharing. Troy, I look forward to seeing you at the next conference and getting a chance to hang out and probably eat some pretty good food. You know, we tend to hang around Rev and Zach and that tends to lead us to some pretty interesting dining experiences. Absolutely. Uh, Best of luck to you, my friend, with your continued success and expansion. I'm really looking forward to be able to get to get my, uh, my pepper lunch fix no matter where I travel to. So I'm hoping you expand quickly because I'm waiting to eat it. Sounds good, Skip. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Really appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. And it's always fun to have a good chat with you and look forward to seeing you again soon. Troy was kind enough to treat me and a couple of other colleagues to lunch at his Las Vegas location last time I was out there for a conference. What a cool experience that was and really, really tasty food. If you would like to comment on this show or reach out for any reason, you can do so via everything social at Skip Kimple or everything at Constrata. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can always go to the website at skipkimple.com for all of the archive shows, including the show notes, And you can hear all these new episodes on the Constrata website at constrata.io. And of course, you can always email me at skip.kimple at constrata.io. So what is the big news I teased you about earlier in the show? Well, I have a new regular segment on social media called Hot Bites. This is a 60-second venture into the world of hot sauce combined with some tech talk all rolled into one. Sound bizarre? Well, hopefully I intrigued you enough to check it out and see if I can melt my face off. Seriously, I am not holding anything back. Next week is the one and only Jeff Alexander from WowBow. We all know both of these names very well. A man who had a vision, assembled an amazing team, and has taken his vision to a whole new level. You think he is passionate about virtual brands? Well, You're going to have to tune in to hear him tell us what he really thinks about the future of that side of the industry.
So, in closing, make sure you check out Hot Bites on all of my social media channels and let me know what you think. I'm very curious to see the reaction and how sadistic you guys all really are. Until next Tuesday, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. Bye.